From India's largest newsroom, I'm Meenal Baghel and this is the Times of India podcast. strike was conducted on the Saffron Party and it seemed to be have done in a very coordinated fashion. First, a resignation was sent to the governor by OBC strongman and someone who was a sitting minister until this morning in the Yogi Adityanath camp, uh, cabinet, Swami Prasad Maurya. Yes. I Dalit Virodhi, Pishra Virodhi, Kishan Virodhi, Virojgar Nojwan Virodhi, Evam Chote Lagu Madhyam Vyapari Virodhi. In the coming few weeks, all eyes will be peeled on the crucial Uttar Pradesh Assembly elections because the state, India's largest and most populous, is the crucible where Indian politics is fermented. Whichever political party dominates Uttar Pradesh, it will have a sway over national politics too. The month-long elections to be held in seven phases in UP starts on February 10th but the drama has already begun with the defection of prominent OBC leaders from the BJP to the Samajwadi Party. What does this portend? Will these early rumblings translate into political change? Or is the BJP's undoubted hegemony in Uttar Pradesh too strong to be shaken by a few defections? To discuss all this and more, on the podcast today, I have political commentators Radhika Ramaseshan and Vasindra Mishra and the academic I saw it as a kind of uh, heads up uh, to the BJP from the OBCs, from the more backward castes and the extremely backward castes. That segment on, uh, on which the BJP still depends for its sustenance and growth. Uh, and uh, the sticking point was the BJP's failure to implement a social justice committee report, which recommended revisiting the whole quota issue, 27%. Uh, uh, preferably kind of uh, giving a larger share to the MBCs and the extremely backward castes and pruning the share which the better of backward castes like the Yadavs, Kurmis and Lod Rajputs have traditionally taken after the Mandal Commission recommendations were implemented. Now, this was definitely the sticking point for as far as Rajbhar was concerned because he Mm -hmm. formed an alliance of the smaller OBC parties, which was called Bhagyadari uh, Dal. I don't remember the exact uh, name, but the key word was Jiski Jitni Bhagyadari Sankhya Uski Utni Bhagyadari, a slogan he borrowed from Kanshira. Proportional representation. Proportional representation, absolutely. Then nothing happened. I mean, uh, Rajbhar kept his party afloat, and now, of course, he has an alliance with the Samajwadi party. But if you you uh, have, a, uh, have the list of the 14 who deserted the party, and if you see a majority of them belong to the more backward castes and the extremely backward castes. Now, yesterday, the departure of uh, the third minister, Saini, is interesting because he's from Western UP, Saharanpur. And, uh, you know, the BJP, after the farmers' protests and uh, the alienation of the Jats to an extent, I'm not saying that 100% Jats have... Uh, uh, left the BJP, but to a large extent, uh, the BJP was banking on castes like the Sainis and the Kushwahas and others to make up for the loss of the Jats. 
And if you remember uh, last August 15th, the Prime Minister in his speech emphasized what the government would do for the Chota Kisan. And Saini is a Chota, belongs to the Chota Kisan caste. Saini quits. You know, uh, I mean, this is very, very significant. It shows that the backward caste are not prepared to be persuaded by any anything that the BJP is offering at this stage. And some have no doubt linked it to Yogi Adityanath. He was inaccessible, particularly to the lower castes. Uh, I mean, ministers were not getting appointments. Ministers like Dara Singh Chauhan and Swami Prasad Maurya. And Swami Prasad Maurya is a very significant loss. But at the same time, Radhika, it would seem that even though uh, the BJP high command may have been aware of the shortcomings of the Yogi administration, but they're also in a position where they can't do without him. I mean, we had the famous photo op of the prime minister and uh, and uh, Yogi uh, sort of walking arm in arm uh, in a corridor in Lucknow, which was a which was a very tacit endorsement of that he would be the next chief minister. Yeah, you're absolutely right. When they changed three CMs in neighboring Uttarakhand. Uh, they were very, uh, they were sort of uh, circumspect about um, uh, handling uh, Yogi Adityanath. And if you recall, he in turn also put down the BJP central command at various points, like for instance, when he refused to absorb Arvind uh, Sharma, the former bureaucrat, in his uh, cabinet, despite uh, the center's pressure. I mean, there was always this kind of uh, tug of war between uh, Delhi and Lucknow, the latest being in the appointment of the chief uh, secretary, uh, superannuated officer, Durgesh Mishra, uh, after retirement in Delhi, he was, he's been appointed as chief secretary in Lucknow, uh, much to Yogi's reported or alleged displeasure, I'm told. Yogi had no say in this. This gentleman was, uh, so to speak, foisted on uh, Lucknow. So there was always this kind of tug of war between uh, Lucknow and Delhi. But the long and the short of it is, whereas the BJP managed to ease out somebody like B.S. Yadurappa, who's still their tallest leader in Karnataka, uh, uh, Yogi has ma uh, managed to sort of hold his own in Uttar Pradesh. What is the reason for that? One is the reason, uh, the, the circumstances behind his appointment if uh, we just switch back to 2017, uh, we heard that Manoj Sinha was the favoured nominee of uh, Delhi. Um, and uh, second, it was Kesha Prasad Maurya, who was anyway heading the UP BJP. But in the meantime, Yogi uh, managed to show off strength in Lucknow of at least 80 of the MLAs who won, which uh, made me wonder that did Yogi have a say in ticket distribution? How on earth did he mobilise uh, so many MLAs? So they said a majority of them were Thakurs who wanted a, a Thakur or Rajput uh, chief minister in Lucknow. So they kind of uh, put their might behind um, Yogi. It was not as simple as just a show of strength. The RSS wanted Yogi. It is now becoming crystal clear. And interestingly, uh, Adityanath, Yogi Adityanath is not from the RSS. I mean, and and but he has he has taken their agenda uh, significantly forward in the state. From day one, he started with the whole campaign against Romeo's, essentially targeting young Muslims. And you had uh, uh, the whole uh, ban on animal slaughter, closing down of abattoirs and uh, so on. You know, which, Love jihad. 
Love jihad, yes, of course. Then the protests against CAA were um, quelled in a very ruthless manner. There are any number of instances of how he put down uh, Muslims. And uh, the BJP all along said that it had popular endorsement, which uh, probably it did. I'm not uh, disputing, especially in the urban areas. Now, uh, had uh, they appointed, say, Manoj Sinha or Keshav Prasad Maurya, I think somewhere or the other, this whole uh, caste thing may have kicked in. I mean, Manoj Sinha is a Bhumiyar, and Keshav Prasad Maurya is, of course, from the Maurya OBC caste. So they didn't want that kind of, RSS didn't want that kind of conflict between um, caste and Hindutva. Uh, you saw glimpses of that when Kalyan Singh was the chief minister, appointed as the chief minister in 1991, Hindu Hridaya Samrat. But down the line, even Kalyan Singh got entangled in backward caste politics. Because I remember in the 93 elections, when the list was drawn up, he was furious that uh, there was a preponderance of uh, upper caste candidates over uh, backward caste candidates. And he apparently threw a fit in one of their internal meetings. But Nothing was done. So I think RSS was crystal clear that they just wanted someone who would foster the Hindutva agenda. Now, Meenal, very interestingly, that didn't quite happen because I think caste is inescapable in Uttar Pradesh and uh, um, Yogi Adityanath also favored excess or I mean excessively patronized his own caste people in uh, the appointments in administration. You have, of course, spoken in the past about that how Hindutva uh, dominates UP only cyclically. You have, of course, been seeing UP closely for the last two decades or more. Give us a sense of what are these pushes and pulls between Hindutva and caste hierarchies in Uttar Pradesh. I'll just take you back to 1991 when the BJP had its own majority government in Uttar Pradesh. Uh, Kalyan Singh was brought in as the chief minister, although Kalraj Mishra was also in the fray. But uh, Advani, who, uh, uh, the top leadership of the BJP, was influenced by K.N. Govindacharya, who was an active proponent of social engineering. He said that if we appoint a Brahmin or a, a Kshatriya, we are going to miss the Mandal bus altogether. Because I remember in that election, the Janta Dal also did quite well in Eastern UP. The BJP was not really able to make inroads in Eastern UP because of Mandal. So they said, we have to kind of counter the Mandal factor. And the only person who can do it is uh, Kalyan Singh. So Kalyan Singh was brought... Who was a Lodh Rajput. Who was a Lodh Rajput. One of the influential castes in uh, parts of West and Central UP, though not to the same extent as uh, Yadavs and Kurmis. Now, Kalyan Singh kind of sailed along with the Hindu Hridayaska Samrat Monica very well. He sort of, uh, 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 maybe not to the extent of Yogi Adityanath, but he was uh, doing things in Ayodhya for, to facilitate the construction of the Ram Temple and so on. But in between, there was a perception among the BJP's upper caste that the Lodh Rajputs had become too big for their boots. And the first target of attack, interestingly, was Uma Bharti, who was not yet Madhya Pradesh chief minister, but she was very active in the Ayodhya movement, a rabble rouser, demagogue or whatever. But she started organizing Lodh Rajput Sammelans uh, all over Uttar Pradesh. And that really infuriated the upper castes. So they started attacking um, Uma Bharti. 
And that is where I think at some point Kalyan Singh spoke up on behalf of Uma Bharti, who was also a Lodh Rajput, you know, that kinship uh, solidarity. So that is uh, where you saw the, the beginning of a conflict between uh, a pan-Hindu identity and caste in the BJP. So by the time the 93 elections came, there was a huge tussle over ticket distribution. Uh, the, the, the then RSS Sarsangchalak, Rajendra Singh, Raju Bhaiya, he took a personal interest. <clears throat> He's a Rajput from uh, uh, East UP. And he packed the list with Rajputs. And Kalyan Singh was infuriated because the OBCs were pushed to the background. So that is the, the election where the fault lines came to the fore between the upper castes and the uh, OBCs. And interestingly, even within the upper castes, I mean, uh, when you say cyclical, I see the same thing playing out. There was a conflict between the Brahmins and the Rajputs. The Rajput said, we are going to oppose the use of this word Parushuram. I remember speaking to Rajputs in uh, villages near Faisabad. And how dare the Brahmins dictate terms? I mean, that kind of thing. So even the BJP's upper caste base started cracking up to an extent. Uh, the OBC uh, base, again, uh, you know, you saw the fault lines uh, playing out. And that is where I think the Samajwadi party, uh, a small party then, had an alliance with the Bahujan Samaj party. And it was able to kind of do the uh, social engineering, which Akhilesh is uh, attempting this time, namely unite the Dalits and the OBCs, including the more backward castes and the extremely backward castes, who, by the way, were not uh, very vocal in those days. You know, they sort of uh, went along with the Hava, as they say, with the tide. Uh, they were not as politically conscious as they are today. That's the big difference between 93 and now. And very interestingly, since 2013, when Modi was declared as a PM candidate, what did the BJP play up in Uttar Pradesh? Of course, his Hindutva leanings, but more importantly, the fact that he's from the Teli Samaj, from a very backward caste. And that was one reason which catalyzed the process of bringing the um, uh, OBC, the, car, uh, the most of the backward caste under the BJP's umbrella. And that helped the BJP in 2014, 2017, and 2019. Well-known newspaper and television journalist Rasindra Mishra is unsurprised by these pre-election moves, calling them now a routine part of Indian democracy. He is also of the view that each new election calls for a different strategy and perhaps the strategy of OBC consolidation, he says, may have run its course for the BJP. Patindra ji, I wanted to ask you that this is what is happening in the Janata Party and Samajwadi Party. How do you think about it? Look, this is a common political phenomenon, especially in Indian politics. ये कोई पहली बार ये घटना नहीं हो रही अगर आप इंडियन पॉलिटिक्स में इस तरह के डिफेक्शन के हिस्ट्री पर जाओ जाएंगी तो आपको मिलेगा कि इसकी शुरुआत हरियाणा से हुई हरियाणा में आया राम गया राम करके सबसे पहले डिफेक्शन की शुरुआत हुई थी जब एंटी डिफेक्शन ला नहीं बना था yes. और उसके बाद धीरे-धीरे इस बीमारी के चपेट में इंडियन सारे स्टेट्स आ गए और 
जब से पिछले सात वर्ष में अगर आप देखेंगी तो सबसे ज्यादा अगर डिफेक्शन किसी पार्टी ने कराया है तो भारतीय जनता पार्टी ने कराया है कई राज्यों की पूरी की पूरी सरकारें डिफेक्टर्स के दम पर चल रही बिल्कुल चाहे आप एक तरफ से देखिए गोवा हो त्रिपुरा हो मणिपुर हो या आसाम हो या मध्य प्रदेश हो या कर्नाटक उत्तर प्रदेश हो या कर्नाटक हो तो डिफेक्शन अब कोई उतना एक, एक तरह से अनहोली नहीं माना जा रहा है इंडियन पॉलिटिक्स में जितना कि कभी हुआ करता था मोरलिटी और इंटीग्रिटी और प्रोपराइटी की बात हुआ करती थी जो 2014 में जो अमित शाह जी का रेप्यूटेशन बना एज द चाणक्य ऑफ इंडियन पॉलिटिक्स ए लॉट ऑफ इट वॉज बेस्ड ऑन दी कोलिशन दैट ही क्रिएटेड इन उत्तर प्रदेश आपको उसमें कुछ क्रैक्स नजर आ रहे हैं और आपको क्या लग रहा है कि वो इस समय उनके उनके मस्तिष्क में क्या चल रहा होगा मेरा ये मानना है कि आज की तारीख में जो सोशल इंजीनियरिंग का ये या ओबीसी मैनेजमेंट या ओबीसी वोट बैंक के मैनिपुलेशन और मैनेजमेंट का जो तरीका अमित शाह ने अपनाया था 2017 के चुनाव में वो 2022 के चुनाव में आते आते लगभग फेल सा होता दिखाई दे रहा और उसके दो कारण है यूनियन कैबिनेट के एक्सपेंशन के समय हमको आपको सबको जो पीआईबी की तरफ से खबरें भेजी गई Yes. आपको याद होगा उसमें ब्रेकअप्स दिए गए थे कि कितने परसेंट ओबीसी हैं कितने परसेंट दलित हैं कितने परसेंट महिलाएं हैं जिनको कि नरेंद्र मोदी ने रिप्रेजेंटेशन दिया है अपने कैबिनेट एक्सपेंशन में लेकिन उसके तुरंत बाद ही देखने को मिला कि उत्तर प्रदेश में योगी आदित्यनाथ को चीफ मिनिस्टर का अगला फेज प्रोजेक्ट कर दिया गया नतीजा यह हुआ कि जो ओबीसी पिछले दो से उत्तर प्रदेश में नाराज बैठी थी और डिसन थी कि 2017 में भी यही कहा गया था कि अगर बीजेपी सत्ता में आएगी तो ओबीसी का मुख्यमंत्री बनाया जाएगा लेकिन बना दिया गया आदित्यनाथ को चीफ मिनिस्टर और उसको लेके ओबीसी अपने को लेट डाउन फील कर रही थी उसको उम्मीद थी कि शायद 2022 में ओबीसी को एक चांस मिले अगर बीजेपी का सत्ता में वापसी होती है तो या कम होता है लेकिन जब ही आदित्यनाथ का फेस आगे किया गया तो ओबीसी का जो अंदर का दर्द था जो नाराजगी थी जो डिसमेंट था वो एकदम खुल के सरफेस पर आ गया और जिसका नतीजा यह हुआ कि जो वे लोग इस उम्मीद में बैठे थे कि शायद 2022 में कोई और व्यक्ति आए चीफ मिनिस्टर का चेहरा हो और उसमें ओबीसी को भी मौका मिले वे लोग अपना पेशेंस लूज कर गए और डिफेक्शन की शुरुआत हो गई नतीजा ये हुआ कि अब तक पंद्रह से ज्यादा ओबीसी और ब्राह्मण तबके के लोग बीजेपी छोड़ के दूसरे दलों का दामन थाम चुके हैं और उम्मीद है कि टिकटों के अनाउंसमेंट के साथ ही कुछ और लोग बीजेपी छोड़ सकते हैं जिसमें सबसे बड़ी तादाद ओबीसी की होगी और ब्राह्मण वर्ग के विधायकों की होगी और कार्यकर्ताओं और नेताओं की होगी so is the problem only representation of obcs or is there more to the uh, the churning that we are seeing in uttar pradesh mujhe lagta hai ki do do factor hain pehla factor to ye hai ki hum aap 
ने देखा है कि इलेक्शंस में एक फार्मूला अगले इलेक्शन में काम नहीं आता है तो हर बार जो पॉलिटिशियंस होते हैं जो समझदार स्ट्रेटेजिस्ट होते हैं वे लोग हर बार अपनी नई पोल स्ट्रेटेजी बनाते हैं जो पिछला पोल स्ट्रेटेजी थी बीजेपी की वो ओबीसी प्रोजेक्शन था और ओबीसी को आगे करके और सोशल इंजीनियरिंग की बात करके बीजेपी सत्ता में आई थी इस बार बीजेपी को शायद लगा कि ओबीसी का फार्मूला उतना एग्रेसिव तरीके से नहीं चल पाएगा क्योंकि उसके जो विरोधी हैं उन लोगों ने भी वही एक कार्ड अपना लिया है जो कार्ड की बीजेपी ने अपनाया था तो अब उनकी डिपेंडेंसी ज्यादा बेनिफिशियरीज पर है वे बेनिफिशियरी जो सोशल वेलफेयर स्कीम्स की तहत फ्री राशन फ्री रुपया फ्री बिजली फ्री इस तरह की जो फ्री बीज का पिछले छह महीने एक साल से जो चल रहा है जो उसके तहत हाँ पॉपुलर स्कीम्स या कहें कि जो गवर्नमेंट स्कीम जो कि सरकारी खजाने से पैसा लुटाया जा रहा है और अपना वोट बैंक बनाने के लिए और अपना वोट बैंक कंसोलिडेट करने के लिए तो लग रहा है कि बीजेपी को उन बेनिफिशियरीज पर ज्यादा भरोसा है और उत्तर प्रदेश की जो टोटल पॉपुलेशन है वो अनऑफिशियली लगभग ट्वेंटी फोर है और ट्वेंटी फोर में आप देखेंगे तो करीब एट करोर ऐसे हैं जो कि इस सोशल स्कीम्स के बेनिफिशियरी हैं और उनको लगता है कि ये एट करोड़ जो वोटर है वह जाति के आधार पर वोट नहीं देगा वो रिलीजन के आधार पर वोट नहीं देगा वह शुद्ध अपने आर्थिक फायदे को ध्यान में रख के वोट देगा जो मुफ्त में उसको राशन पानी बिजली मिल रहा है उसके लिए वोट देगा योगी आदित्यनाथ ने करी आफ्टर टेकिंग ओवर एस चीफ मिनिस्टर कि उन्होंने एक तरह से उत्तर प्रदेश को हिंदुत्व की लेबोरेटरी भी बनाया हमने देखा लव जिहाद बीफ बैन और कई सारे मुद्दे ऐसे आए जो कि हिंदुत्व को बहुत अग्रेसिवली आगे बढ़ाते हैं तो आपको लगता है कि इस इलेक्शन में क्या वो मुद्दा काम आएगा मुझे लगता है कि उत्तर प्रदेश में तो नहीं काम आएगा उत्तर प्रदेश में कभी भी कॉमनल एजेंडे पर जब जब बीजेपी चुनाव लड़ी है उसको कामयाबी नहीं मिली 2017 में बीजेपी को कामयाबी कॉमनल एजेंडे पर नहीं मिली थी डेवलपमेंट के सवाल पर मिला था बेटर गवर्नेंस के सवाल पर मिला था गुंडा राज खात्मे के सवाल पर मिला था अगर कॉमनल एजेंडे पर बीजेपी को उत्तर प्रदेश में सत्ता मिलती तो बीजेपी चौदह साल सत्ता से बाहर नहीं रहती कांग्रेस से सब के सत्ता से हटने के बाद तीन बार मेजॉरिटी गवर्नमेंट बनी हाल के वर्षों में 2007 में 2012 में 2017 में मेजॉरिटी की सरकार जब भी बनेगी समाज के सभी वर्गों का जब समर्थन होगा और सपोर्ट होगा तभी बनेगी फ्लेस अगर कोई सोशल इंजीनियरिंग की कोशिश कर रहे हैं तो खाली सोशल इंजीनियरिंग पर फोकस नहीं कर रहे हैं वो अपर कास्ट के लोगों को भी जोड़ने की कोशिश कर रहे हैं अगर आप इधर पिछले चार दिनों में जो बीजेपी छोड़ के जाने वाले लोग हैं उसमें आप देखेंगे तो पंडित विधायक भी बहुत ब्राह्मण बिरादरी खाली ओबीसी नहीं है My third and final guest today is Badri Narayan, professor at the Govind Ballabh Pant Social Sciences Institute at Allahabad. 
He has written extensively on Saffron politics and the mobilization of Dalit and other backward castes by the RSS. He views the recent defections of OBC leaders as a result of a clash of cultures within the BJP. While the RSS rhetoric, he says, is to espouse a larger cause of Hindutva, of Samajik Samrasta, that overarches caste, the defectors are people whose politics is rooted in earlier caste-based politics. Swami Prasad Mori, for instance, says Badi Narayan, was BSP founder Kashiram's close aide, and this dissonance between two political ideas is at the heart of the recent events in Lucknow. Uh, some cultivated a kind of political uh, a culture uh, in which many of these uh, BJP, OBC, Dalit leaders are trained. Some school of training of doing politics, I think you can see. They have a different kind of language. They they don't speak the caste-based identity, caste identity-based language. They speak, they speak the larger long a larger samajik, samajik samarasta, sab milke, sabka saath, sabka vikas kind of thing. But now they talk most sarv, sarv, sub, sarvajan and sub. No, so, uh, they don't want to create a kind of contesting, uh, contestation between uh, various caste identities. So, so there are two class of two political culture within the BJP. And, 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 uh, and, and this class of two political culture in which uh, party is, a, uh, is, a, is a dominated by a certain political culture, the other group will feel marginalized. BJP has cultivated cultivated uh, their own leaders among this community. So these dominant leaders who came mm. from the BSP uh, or uh, old caste-based leaders, they were not happy with that uh, because no one wants its competitor. So uh, they, if their competitor emerges, so now we will have to see uh, who is going to succeed in doing, doing politics of the uh, OBCs and Dalits and marginals in Pradesh, those who can speak language of the, uh, the this kind of language, so uh, and uh, which uh, caste identity based language, or those who are talking in terms of Samajik uh, Samrasta uh, kind of language. Huh, like uh, take the instance of Swami Prasad Maurya, actually they were uh, Swami Prasad Maurya then uh, Dara Singh Chauhan, they were all from the BSP. And BSP, those, they were trained in a BSP school of, of, of doing politics. Uh, and the school, when it, it was at the first or second phase of uh, BSP evolution and uh, development. So in those days, they were speaking this kind of language, you know, the caste identity-based political mobilization language. And uh, that was the Bahujan, uh, era of Bahujan mobilization. Uh, and, and they either maybe uh, annoyed or uh, irrelevant and we don't know what happened with the party. Uh, there are also, uh, because Shankar Samarya was the second person in the BSP those times. Yeah, he was very close to uh, Kashiram. And he was very close to Kashiram and also Mayavati had, had given him a second position. So then they came in a cluster in, in BJP. Uh, six, seven leaders from BSP came together. Uh, to to BJP and BJP has its own language, you know. Uh, some days ago, Yogi Adityanath sort of spoke about that this is a war of eighty versus twenty. Mm-hmm. And yesterday, Swami Prasad Maurya actually turned it on its head and he said this is a war of eighty-five versus fifteen. 
So there seems to be a, a kind of a, a play on that, but talking about two very different identities. True. Uh, actually, these both are uh, metaphors. No? So one can uh, have multiple meaning of these metaphors based on the location and the context. Like 8020 can be interpreted in various ways and similarly 85 and 15 also. Uh, but uh, you are right, but both wanted to uh, give a certain message and that message may be the, the contestation between two, uh, two uh, ways of doing pol mobilization politics, uh, two identity-based politics and the co-identity and the caste-based identity, which we are discussing. Uh, but I think uh, democracy in Uttar Pradesh, electoral democracy in Uttar Pradesh, uh, created its own compulsion. And in that compulsion, everyone needs everyone. Like uh, every political party is organizing Prabhudh uh, Varga Sammelan, no Brahmin conference. Uh, if it is 85 versus 15, then why uh, everyone is organizing? Akhilesh uh, Yadav visited to Pashuram temple to worship Pashuram. Uh, he uh, he always say that we need the vote of the Brahmins. Similarly, BJP uh, also organized, uh, try to uh, to to uh, dilute uh, dissatisfaction of the Brahmins, and also organized Dalit conference. Samajwadi Party also organized Dalit conference. BJP all organized Dalit conference. BSP don't need to organize Dalit conference. But they all parties, the Brahmin, the Prabhupada Brahmin. Ha, they are they 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 organize Prabhupada workshop Melan. So you can see how uh, the uh, apart from inspire uh, apart from the base vote, uh, other uh, every political party needs other vote as a stepney votes to bring together and 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 get the assure their victory in the uh, election. Today's episode is produced by Jairad Singh, Arun George, and Sunay Marathi. For a daily spotlight on people, ideas, and stories that matter, subscribe to us. We are available on TOI Plus, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and all other platforms of your choice. For any news tips, reach us at toipodcasts at timesinternet.in.